Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource to remind you that you should always just take Andrew's advice anytime that he predicts that we're going to get three points. Because, hey, we got three points in probably the most unconventional fashion. But uh, three points is three points, right, Andrew? Yep. Backing into the space, uh, frontward, backwards, sideways. However you're getting in the space, you get parked. So it was ugly, but... um, (laughs) It was really ugly. If three points is what you wanted, that's what you got. Yeah, it was... You know, I just remember, you know, some of the some of the Denny Green Vikings uh, as we were approaching playoff time. And you, you younger listeners, you Gen Zers listening to the podcast probably don't remember Denny Green, but uh, he was kind of the master at, uh, you know, backing in, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll be like 10 and six or seven and nine going into the playoffs, but we'll lose the last two games. <laughs> just to make it a little bit interesting. Uh, that's kind of how it feels uh, right now with the, with this Huskies team. Uh, haven't won in 20, I don't know, 28, 29 days, somewhere in there um, was the actual last victory. The last time I was able to play Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Uh, and it's, it, it just, it doesn't bode well for my confidence, even though I guess nothing's, like I like completely falling apart. I don't know. Like it's it, it's tough to get my finger on the pulse of everything because I do think there's some good here that people aren't noticing. So I don't know if you feel that way or if you just feel like the axles broken and our oxen are dying and we can't ford the river. I don't know. I, I'm kind of zen this week. Um I've come to the conclusion Zen after a North Dakota weekend, huh? I think well, that's actually just kinda, kinda don't bad. get your don't get your hopes up too high. This is Andrew Zen, so <laughs> uh, my my sorry is my my level of Zen here is that I've come to the conclusion this is not a championship team, uh, but we're probably going to make the tournament. And chip sharing a chance. Literally anything can happen. It's a series of roulettes, the spins of the roulette wheel. So I'm just kind of curious as far as what they're going to do in the tournament. If I were to be an honest analyst uh, of this team, they're not going to win too many games the rest of the way playing this way. Um, But I I have no control over it. I can just be honest and say how I'm feeling about this team. I'm not feeling very good about the team, but uh, short of a basically losing out, you're going to make the tournament uh, and you, you get a chance in the tournament, but I'm not confident about that chance, but uh, that's my sort of level of Zen is that uh, like, I, I get that. And especially with all these overtime shootout, little wins, the little pity points that we're getting along the way. But I mean, 
maybe it's because I was there, but you know, this that Yale team in 2013, that wasn't that good of a team. They right. were able to win. Minnesota Duluth, I mean, you're always talking about how yeah. how crummy those teams were that they were able to win a championship. Providence uh, in 15? Yeah. So now going back to it though is if do you do you feel like this team can win four in a row to do that? Yeah, probably not. And, and yeah, that's probably not. And, and and that's and that's where we kind of have a little bit of a hang up here. The the thing is that I'm looking at it from the positive aspect is that we still know what's broken, uh, still on the power play. We've only allowed one five on five goal all weekend. So I mean that's uh that's kind of what I'm hanging my hat on um, is that there's just a little bit of a um, a positive light when it comes to to that aspect. Um, and th- my main issues are obviously the penalty kill. That's been incredibly rough, but also just, I, I, I don't know if, if, if North Dakota was just that good at holding the zone or we were just absolutely atrocious at clearing the zone. And as of late, I think it's a little bit more that we've been really bad at clearing the zone. And I mean, there were multiple times that North Dakota was able to have, sustained pressure minute 15 i think there was a stretch it was closing on two minutes maybe even a little bit a four a four minute stretch in the second period on saturday that's what the north dakota announcer said Jeez. so Um, and and a lot of those were just not being able to clear the zone i mean we just flipped it right or a misflip solquist's misflip that uh, that you know obviously i don't have to rag on solquist more than i you know but i might so it's just any anyway, that's you know, that's kind of what I'm I'm getting at is that like I think all these things are are teachable or I think they're they're fixable. And I think once everything kind of gets back on the right track, I think we're gonna go back to where we were at the beginning of the year. Now will we be able to write that before time runs out? That's gonna be the, the big question. Yeah, I mean I I I had been throughout the the bulk of the year their five on five play was sort of the feather in, in the hat for me for, yep. uh, for the Huskies is we were complaining about the, the penalty kill for, for good reason. And at times complaining about the power play as well, but I sort of hung my hat on. This is a team that five on five can play with anybody this weekend against. Yeah. I'm not a very good North Dakota offense and a pad North Dakota defense and goaltending. To have to be outplayed at five on five was was the real kind of shocker to me this weekend, and the 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 real frustrating part of it too. I mean, mm-hmm. it seemed like in, in both games the Huskies were skating uphill. There was really no stretch that they really asserted themselves uh, and took control of the game, even up you know even with leads in both games, third period leads. That's the other thing. Talking about how North Dakota this year has been a terrible third third period team, and how the Huskies have been a great third period team. You know those third periods were, you know, other other than that power play goal coming at the tail end of a five minute major power play a goal on Friday. Those third periods were pretty drab, and we mentioned the second period on Saturday was a game of keep away that North Dakota uh, won. Uh, I couldn't. I mean they didn't score that period. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. St. Cloud won that period. It was one, nothing that period. St. Cloud like, 
uh, just the advantage, the puck advantage, the possession was just so heavily tilted. So Sloshman uh, had a tweet on Saturday night. Uh, puck possession in the offensive zone for North Dakota was 19 minutes, 36 seconds. Um, which is nearly a full period, obviously, in the offensive zone. Just in the offensive zone. Just wow. in the offensive zone. And uh, St. Cloud was at six minutes and 16 oh seconds. Yeah, I was going to say like I responded. That, but... I responded to that with that long, huh? Like we were in the mm-hmm. offensive low for that long because it didn't feel like it. Even six minutes felt like it was more than it, uh, th- than it looks on paper. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the defensive... I mean, I, I thought Meyer played well this weekend. I thought he was the the best defenseman for him, mm-hmm. but I mean, still saw some struggles from Peart and Ludke. You know, getting into penalty trouble basically didn't. Hey, what played five minutes? Probably played one or two shifts on Saturday, and then yeah, he played two shifts heave-o. before getting the heave-o. Which uh-huh. I like. I get that's a five minute major, and I get that aspect. I thought game misconduct was a little harsh, especially if you're not going to kick out. Gaber on Friday for his, you know, check from behind. And I, you know, just, I felt like that was kind of a weak five or game misconduct call. And I looked it up in the rule book too, because I was wondering if it was like a, you have to call a five minute or I have to call a game misconduct as well. And there's, that's all at referee's discretion. So, I mean, to go from not calling a penalty on it at all to, okay, yes, you're getting the boot. Um, after review, I thought was uh, quite the 180 there, to say the least. Dumb play by Lukey. Not defending Lukey yes. at all. It was, it was incredibly stupid, but I thought, I thought that was yeah. harsh. Not, yeah. not that that would have changed the game at any anything either. So, Yeah, so, but I, I didn't think that the defense was terrible. I mean, they were, they were better this weekend than they have been the last two series prior to this. I thought maybe that has something to do with North Dakota. Not having a ton of guns. I mean, other than Gaber, who, whenever he was, yeah, he was Gaber on the and ice Blake and, and and touching the puck there, he, you, I mean, I thought he was he was going to win it there on the Saturday overtime as well. Yeah, uh, did not want to see him with the puck. Uh, but aside from from those few options, not a ton of guns um, forward wise for North Dakota, and so maybe that had something to do with that. And even the penalty kill, I mean, giving up. Uh, the, the power play goals uh, on Friday, I thought Bassey kind of let him down on the first two. So, I mean, I'm willing to give the defense a bit of a pass this weekend, um, even though, again, the the zone exits, uh, breakout passes, um, those kind of things were, were certainly sloppy. But was, Yeah, that was bad. But I thought they, they did a decent enough job to keep them in the game. Um, and like I said, goaltending – was a little dicey. I even Caster I thought was kind of juicy with rebounds or or unclean with with rebounds on Saturday. But but if the goaltenders too, and getting back to the tournament, you know, getting ahead of ourselves, but but forecasting the NCAA tournament, you know, I think these these goaltenders have the ability to go on a run themselves. Either one of them. So I mean that gives you a chance as well, too. So uh, yeah, but and it's also too. It's it's just eerie the similarities between this year and last year last year right around the same time of year started in late january and ran into mid february uh, a six game winless streak where they were oh three and three uh it's a lot of the same teams too those teams the teams that were 
involved in last year's six-game winless streak was North Dakota. He had one game against Duluth. Remember, they had those COVID rescheduled games on Tuesdays. So that was one of them. Um, And Denver as well. Um, Denver wasn't part of this year's um, six-game winless streak, but it it was the series right before it. the, also, like so, this six-game winless streak coincides with Anhorn's injury. Last year, that six-game uh, winless streak, four of those games were without Perbix, last year's best defenseman, not because of injury, but because he was at the Olympics. Uh, Larson, as well, was gone for the team during that four-game four stretch. Um, and they were able to right the ship with a win over Western, but then got swept at Omaha right after that. And who do we got next? Omaha Mm -hmm. uh, at Omaha. And so uh, last year, the last 18, 17 games, four, nine and four. That's how they ended the year. And I'm wondering if we're just going to come down to basically a carbon copy of that. It might be even be down to playing Duluth in a home playoff series, which looks more and more likely. Um, So, there's a lot of similarities that part of the similar part of that, where the similarities end though, is the difference there is last year, those that Duluth team you played and North Dakota team you played during that stretch, those were tournament teams this year. They're not this year. You've got Miami was involved in this streak, clearly not an NCAA tournament team. So you're not playing the, you're playing the same teams, but they're not at the same caliber as they were last year. Mm. Um, and so, but we were, we were, Complaining too about kind of the same. I remember special teams was a, was a big talking point during that stretch as well. Power play had gone off to, off to such a great start that year, but it was really tailing off during that time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the the COVID cancellations, reschedulings, and then having you know basically Shyak take over in an interim role while the Olympics were going on. I'm sure that was and losing your bye week because of of COVID. I'm sure that had something to do with with the. Uh, the struggles at the end of last year, right around this time of the year. But, and so they are a little different this year uh, in, in nature, but uh, it is kind of eerily similar how the, the script has been playing out. I mean, to the point where St. Cloud's a great start last year, you know, similar to this year, both were number one teams at, at one point in the year. Uh, and the, that seems like a distant memory, uh, even though, as you said, a month ago, essentially, this team was uh, ranked number one in the in the uh, classic Austro poll. So I don't know. Last year they were unable to really right the ship. And again, you could point to the Renak injury as being key in that. Who knows what would have happened if he weren't to have contracted pneumonia. But uh, hopefully this team can right the ship this year. But my confidence level is probably telling isn't terribly high and going to Omaha this weekend last year, like I said, was not a very competitive series from Husky's perspective for them to write the ship here is going to be a tall task. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see what team shows up here this weekend, but really wanted a win this last weekend. Didn't get that necessarily. I mean, not counting the shootout wins. As as true wins, no, but, we, we um, don't we don't count we we only count real wins on this podcast. We don't we don't count those fake, the, those other type wins. Not here. I mean, he's helping you all. I mean, that's that's the other difference. Last year, those three ties, two of those were shootout losses. So, I mean, you're you're able to gain 
three points by winning all three of these shootouts, um, which from a conference points perspective is pretty big because mm-hmm. that Duluth, that home Duluth series looms. I mean, Duluth's got Miami this weekend at home. Uh, so that bodes well for Duluth coming off a win at Denver for them. So you got you to gotta like their chances of getting a majority of the points at the minimum and six points, a decent chance of that. If you go into that last series playing Duluth and Duluth has still has a chance to, to tie you at least um, because if they were within six points and they swept you, they'd, they'd win the tiebreaker because they won the season series from you. So mm-hmm. if that, if that's the case, I'm, I would be really worried about that last series um, against Duluth. So again, all you need is three points from here on out. You got four, four games left. You need three points to clinch a play, clinch a home playoff spot. Yep. And uh, you should be able to, to get three points in four games. But at this point, at, at how they're playing, nothing's a sure thing with this club. And so, I don't know. We, we got we to see some something. And I, I'll give Larson, too. I, I know I've been on here for a while, but give him some credit. On Saturday, really changed the lineup up. Yeah. And so, seeing from his perspective, a willingness to try some new stuff out. Um, even on Friday, we saw that, that th- a third unit on the power play on that um, five minute major. And they were the ones to score. The and they goal. were the but ones Molar, to score. Yeah. Molar, Molar, saw, uh, just a, a nice greasy goal, but with the kinds of goals that we've really wanted to see. And they were on the ice for maybe 15 seconds. And mm-hmm. at, at the tail end of a five minute major, Power play. Finally, uh, Miller was on the power play. That's right. Uh, so Spellacy, who we've been we we've been advocating for to be to get some power play time. So, and then on Saturday, like I said, I mean, we saw Grant Deshawn. We mentioned his name. We've he he lives. Uh, <laughs> and I thought he actually played pretty well. Um, yeah. Gave him gave him a spark. Um, and so, being able to to try some new things here, when you know, at that point, a five game winless streak. Yeah, you, you should think of changing some stuff around and I'm glad he was able to, to pull the trigger there. So if we can maybe continue to see willingness to shuffle things around, if they're not working, like like Ashan, I'm sure was in there for Rosborough who did not have a good game on Friday. See that going forward here. Guy has a bad game on Friday, you know, pop one of these, you know, Ashan types who've been, you know, maybe like in a coin or someone that doesn't see a ton of ice time. A guy like Ashan hasn't seen the ice in a couple of months. Those those guys really tend to play it. At least that first game that they get back in, it, they provide a nice spark because they've been itching to get back on the ice. So you can maybe use that guy, guy for a little spark of energy going on the stretch. I don't know something, but yeah. um, that was at least a pleasant thing to see that there there is some willingness to tinker. I'm gonna go, you know, hop in the wayback machine again. Uh, just be just because I'm that older millennial, you know, gonna go go uh, Peabody and Sherman here in the Wayback Machine. Go back to oh three oh four season. This and, is your favorite season? Yeah, because it's just so perplexing. It's just, I mean, we just come out of the shoot and you know we're eight one and two or something like that, and we just ended up just crashing and burn, and that kind of was a symbol of kind of a lot of dolls Craig Dahl's season. It was it was always the swoon. It was the second half swoon. And that's kind of what we've been getting here with Larson over these past two years. Um and 
I, I really hate to go back to that. Now, I don't think it's exactly as comparable as that that season, just because in you know as we ended that oh three oh four season, it, I mean we were giving up five, six, seven goals a game, and and that's definitely not the case. Um, but you know, you know, kind of breaking down some of these games is you know we're a three to one lead, um, you know for for the Huskies on Friday. And then we take a penalty and then you just kind of felt even in that power play is like, I'm going to like our chances if we kill this power play, but if they pop in a power play goal here, I mean, this is a big kill. Like if they pop in, I don't like our chances going forward. Sure enough, they pop in that goal and it's just, I didn't have any confidence that this team was going to pull it out. And, and sure enough, you know, it, it took a little bit longer. It was the extra attacker goal. It was some really bad defense by Bushy having his back turned to the play and Okabe, who was way too high, just allowing Reese Gaber free real estate. Um, and sure, it was just just an easy catch and a goal there to tie it up. And then you just you just knew North Dakota had all the momentum to to pop it in there there at the end. So. Um, I just, it, it's just so frustrating because if it wasn't on the power play, Cronulla, two goals. Um, and then, uh, like you said, with Molinar, um, you know, it was just one of those, like all, all, all special teams. That was kind of all of the, 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 the goals that were going to happen that game. And, but even five on five, it was like the second period I thought Bassey played incredibly well to kind of keep uh keep the huskies in it keep the lead going but und was just able to be opportunistic and they were able to capitalize and through you know that opportunicity is that a word i'm gonna coin it opportunicity (laughs) our opportunistic nature that we had at the beginning of the year is just absolutely gone and maybe that was just puck luck maybe that was just straight luck of of the the Lord of Crookshank and now that everything is dried up for him as of late. And so have the Huskies in, in, in some of those key situations. So, but you know, just we were playing so bad in that last few minutes of the third period on Friday, you knew that goal was coming and they were going to end up tying about and, you know, Gaber and Blake are the two that you have to worry about on this team. And sure enough, we leave Gaber wide open. And that's just inexplicable. I, yeah, I, I don't just terrible. I don't get just keying on him in particular. And you had two guys over on that side of the ice that lost track of him, or I, I don't know if he was wearing invisible, invisible ink. I, I um, feel the Huskies are playing like, I don't know if they're playing scared. They're playing timid. They just feel like they're always going to make a mistake. So they're just, they're not letting the game come to them. And it's just incredibly frustrating that just to see the team playing just as scared as they are and passive. And that's what made North Dakota able to just run all over the Huskies all weekend. Yeah. The, yeah. So many opportunities on Friday to salt that game away. Uh, and, and you're mentioning the opportunistic, what was your adjective? You just call it opportunistic. Um, several shorthanded chances this weekend, uh, which, you know, we've talked about the struggles of the penalty kill and 
you know, perhaps the theory goes is that they were trying too hard, being too aggressive, which I, I the last couple of weeks, I haven't seen that so much this week, uh, this series uh, against North Dakota, I did see more aggression on the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. Again, you gave up, you gave up a number of power play goals this weekend. But like I said, that first goal on Friday, you look at that screenshot of the goal with McLaughlin, it's going in, going in on Bassey at a one on four. There's four Huskies in there. Bassey bites too early. You just can't give that goal up. Uh, but it's not like a, a, a true kind of missed coverage uh, power play opportunity. The five-minute major that Veluki won on Saturday, um, there was two or three chances where St. Cloud had the better chances on that five-minute major yeah. than North Dakota did. Um, and that, was also, a great, that was a great four-check that we it had. Was. And, yeah. And the the one on Friday too, where DeRitter coughs it up. It was on a power play for North Dakota and coughs it up. I believe it was Kupka had just a glorious opportunity. I think it was still two to one at that point. Maybe it was three to one. Can't remember. But that was one where I think in the first half of the year they score that goal mm-hmm. as well man, because that's that would be just a killer. Like their goal goaltender kind of coughs it up right to them. Didn't he do that in St. Cloud? I think he was yeah. involved in a play where he handled the puck and turned out disastrous. So uh, yeah, maybe the, the worm has turned a little bit as far as good, good fortune um, with those kind of opportunities. But yeah, it's weird to say that I thought the penalty kill wasn't as atrocious as it has been, even though they did give up, like I said, number of goals on it. Um, mm-hmm. And even like the extra tackle goal isn't a power play goal, but you are a man down and, even that one, you look at the screenshot you sh- you showed me. It's like they didn't even have their. He wasn't the sixth guy in the zone at that point. Mm-hmm. They had f- they only had five guys in the zone during that play, and so Saint Cloud was. It's not like they were outmanned at that particular time, but you just let a huge pa- path to pass and the guy wide open. And they're probably their best player, all around player uh, to boot. So just can't have that. Can't have that happen. Um, and it was just again. Couldn't score with a minute and change of the empty net prior to that as well. It's like they had so many opportunities to put the game away uh, and weren't able to do it. And, and yeah, the uh, the lack of push. I mean, these overtime periods for St. Cloud, have, as you mentioned during the, the Miami series, like it's it's not been very pretty uh, for St. Cloud. Just kind of kind of playing for the tides, what it looks like uh, most of the time. And. I've been fortunate to pick up some of these cheap points in the shootout, which yeah, better than than losing those shootouts. But yeah, uh, shots uh, shots in overtime. Uh, Saint Cloud has six, and our opponents have nineteen. So we're getting outshot nineteen to six in overtime. And I thought it was something. I thought the Huskies only had five or six shots after Miami series. We you gave the stat then, so yeah, I don't. I can't remember how many shots they had collectively this weekend in these two games, but it wasn't a it wasn't a whole lot. You know, one on Friday, one on Friday, none on Saturday, zero on Saturday. I mean, thirteen shots on goal on Saturday. They didn't get their tenth shot on goal until about halfway through the third, mm-hmm. um, and it just was. I mean, just a miracle that they were leading the game at that point. Um, you know, two goals on the first six shots or so, and. It was almost enough to win, which is kind of one of those backing into the win more than anything. Um, but um, yeah, it's just it's not uh, it's it's getting it's getting old, you know. <laughs> like seeing this kind of 
kind of game here the last three weeks or three weekends of series. Uh, Don't want to see it stretch for another, for another week here, but I'm, I'm not feeling all that hot about it to be honest. Yeah. It's, I, I I feel like it's also, I I don't think it's going to let up coming against Omaha, but this team kind of crumbles when it is pressed up against um, aggressive four checks. And I thought that, especially on Saturday, North Dakota really dialed up the intensity on the four check. And I think appeared, I think he had kind of a, I think he had a really rough weekend. Um, He coughed up the puck quite a bit and just his, you know, we didn't have the, the breakouts and it was, you could just tell that it was, it was like, Everywhere we tried to go, UND had a player there. So everything has just become a little bit too predictable. Or we do the patented, let's wait behind our own net, and then everybody else goes to the other blue line, and we just try a stupid stretch pass. I absolutely hate that. And I know every team does some variation of that, but it's so complete, so unnecessary to just give away a free icing like that when you have the puck. But it's it's that intensity that has led to a lot of turnovers and it led to North Dakota having so many chances and so much off uh, offensive zone pressure is because that we, we, I don't know if it's, we're not getting the support from the forwards coming back or we're just easily telegraph all of our, um, all of our passes or, or whatnot, but it's just been incredibly frustrating to watch just, the sustained zone pressure that these other teams have been able to have over the past couple of weekends. And I think Omaha is not going to let up against Omaha. I mean, this Omaha is a kind of a high power team when it comes to that pressure. And that's, uh, you know, it, you know, if we're going to write the ship, we, we got to tighten up in our off or in our, in our breakouts. Um, and clear the zone when we have the chance, because that's, I think, our, kind of our biggest issue right now is that, you know, we've got Solquist kind of flubbing that puck to the, you know, the prime chance to clear, and he just kind of easily gives it right back to North Dakota. And it's it, it's just like you're you're Division One. You can't you can't you can't mess up flipping the puck out of the zone like that as much as these Huskies have been. So it's, it, I, I keep, I keep waiting for this team finally to get back on track. And I do think it's going to happen. Um, it has taken longer than I hoped. And now we're going to, over to Omaha, which has been giving us fits lately. I mean, we used to dominate that Omaha series and as of late, it's definitely turned the other direction. Yeah, uh, it's not. Yeah, it's it's not the like how do they like how they match up well against certain opponents. That's the other thing about looking at the other potential NCAA tournament teams. There's not like the way that Huskies are playing. It's just like I don't I don't feel confident playing any of these teams. Like no. there's really no team that they really match up well against because it used to be like I said a five on five team. I'll take that over. You know, like a, a UND who's kind of being carried offensively by uh, by their power play. Same as like a team like Cornell has got a really good power play. Um, 
or it's like, you know, traditionally Huskies have struggled against, you know, defensive first, like a Michigan Tech is a team that I, I, I don't like the style of play to match up well with the Huskies. But for a team like a run and uh, uh, traditionally what I think or, is, seems or like a, a team like an Air Force or a team like a Ferris yeah, State or a team like an AIC or a, a team like a Maine or a team. Yeah, keep going. Keep, like, you got a lot. You got a, you're missing a bunch here. In you, Michigan you, times two. A team like Clarkson. Uh, Clarkson. Oh, God. Don't remind, remind me of that one. Uh, <laughs> Wisconsin. Um, yeah, we will be here all day. Yeah. Uh, well, 99 bottles of beer on the wall playing that game with Huskies uh, in the NCAA tournament opponents. But yeah, that's the thing. Like, yeah, that's a Ole song. Huskies, I don't want to go through. No, no. 99 NCAA tournament <laughs> losses, 99 losses in tournament. <laughs> you can workshop it. <laughs> I think there's something there. Take Ferris state down, pass it around. <laughs> now it was AIC <laughs> tournament loss. Anyway. So yeah, I mean, yeah, Omaha's gonna be tough, and we'll get more in depth with uh, with previewing them. But it's Let's, it's like if they play Miami again this weekend, it's like I wouldn't be all that hot confident either. Like it's it's I'm more concerned yeah. with how the Huskies are playing rather than who they're matching up well against because it's just not yeah. looking pretty. Yep, I agree. Um, let's then uh, uh, let, let's we'll head we'll head over talk about um, talk about Omaha, but first. Your uh, let's do your uh, go Huskies woo player uh, player of the weekend. So who who do you have for your pal? Yeah, I mean it's it was such a tough call. I, um, we're, we've been waxing poetic about how well the Huskies played this weekend, about how everyone, <laughs> all four lines, all defense were just clicking on all cylinders. Uh, I uh, am going to go with Cranola. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost become, it's almost become like a one man show here offensively, uh, which isn't, nece- isn't necessarily a good thing. I mean, it's, it's better than having a no, a no man show. Um, but, uh, you know, Cranola getting three of the five goals this weekend. Uh, we mentioned Molinar and Spencer Meyer as being the other two, both of those in the power. Play I do. Chaos. I do agree. I thought Meyer, like this is his first game that I felt in a while that he's like, like he was solid. I thought. Yeah. So yeah. And popping in a goal to boot. I mean, mm-hmm. it's good to see, uh, but yeah, Crandall getting the only even strength goal for the Huskies this weekend. And then also the two power play goals on Friday. Um, he's, and you got to you got to imagine that teams are going to start to if if the offense is going to be so heavily tilted towards Cranola that teams are and I'm sure teams have already been keying on him. I mean, it's no secret that he's been probably their best player all year, but mm-hmm. especially in, uh, of late. I mean, especially the power play, he's been really carrying that unit, um, which was again very nice to see other guys contribute uh, on the power play. I think they said it was like six straight power play goals for Cranola for the Huskies, their last six power play goals. So, um, but uh, he is having a great year and he was, he was the Huskies best offensive player this weekend, I thought by far. So at the end of the day, it wasn't too tough. How about you? What, what are you thinking? Yeah. Well, go Huskies. Will also um, said that uh, Kronla was the, um, was the player of the weekend just kind of ends up always um, 
steps up against North Dakota. I mean, and that's what the, you know, your top players, that's what they need to do. Um, and I, I do also like his swagger at the uh, end of the second period in the intermission interview um, when asked about, um, I think that was on Saturday's game when uh, North Dakota just dominated and Husky still had the lead. And, and Cronulla was like, yeah, well, we still have the lead. <laughs> you know, they dominate, but they didn't have anything to show for it. So we still have the lead. We just need to take care of business. I mean, they didn't take care of business, but I still, I still kind of like that there was some kind of personality coming out in an intermission interview, which normally isn't the case. Look at you psychoanalyzing the intermission interviews with players. You've been on record here saying that you should, we should abolish all of those. Yeah, because so they're good. usually garbage. They're usually <laughs> fat garbage. They're terrible. Oh, we just got to play our game, get pucks in deep, and, you know, uh, hopefully I'll pop one in. Oh, thanks for your analysis there. Um, so your your suggestion would just be basically be a Twitter troll for these. So uh, like in this God, case, that like, would be great. hey, w- that wasn't a very good period for you. And then Crayon just goes, scoreboard. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> how great would that be? <laughs> just be cocky. Just be just so arrogant. Out okay, there. well, we have I to mean, have a scenario where we have a dog crap period, but we still have the lead. And then we got to feed him that line. He's got to be the guy to have the interview. And then. We'll feed him the line, and he essentially credit. said that during the intermission. So it's um, yeah, and with the Finnish accent too. Yeah, exactly. Like, Skull, scoreboard. <laughs> so no, that's not a good, very good Finnish accent. No, and I don't think I would even understand how to do one. But um, I I, I am actually going to go a little bit of a different direction. Um. And I am actually going to go with Caster. And the like. reason why I'm going to go with Caster is I do agree that he, he did leave up some kind of juicy rebounds. But I think without that performance overall, and with just how much zone time and how much he was peppered with shots, I, I thought he was just mostly solid. And obviously, stopping all three in the shootout, too. I think without his performance, it's a disastrous weekend. And we are really, I mean, almost hitting the panic button when it comes to whether or not we're going to get home ice. Well, was it last week? I'll say that's props. I I wanted to say he was not juicy rebounds. It just there was rebounds he wasn't clean. He wasn't uh, you know catching the puck clean. Like, but the rebounds sure. he was allowing were just kind of in his immediate perimeter, and they didn't cause too much havoc. Mm-hmm. But. I mean, he's just, again, 30 to 13 shot advantage and just that time of possession for North Dakota in the offensive zone just to give up the two goals, I think, is is uh, praiseworthy. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I can't remember what I was going to say. I think I thought I was going to go somewhere else. But, oh, well, no, because last week we had a question that said, are we going to hit the panic button if we if St. Cloud does not win this weekend? I think that's what the question was. Um, or or was it if they got swept? I can't exactly ma- remember know what the exact verbiage was. I don't was, listen but... to this podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> and <laughs> I thought we were, we were both kind of like, eh, we're close. We might be hitting it. And I mean, again, getting three out of six points. And my version of the most depressing Zen ever led off this show. Perhaps 
I'm yeah, I'm I'm neglecting the panic buttons. Like panicking is more fun. Like I get like riled up and angry. My blood gets gets boiling a little bit. This was more just kind of more of the same. Like I'm sinking into the couch, kind of like it's 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 not like it's not even getting me hot and bothered so much. The Miami series was more hot and bothered. This was more. Uh, so, but I have all through all that, no wins this weekend. Go into North no. Dakota seventh in pairwise. Come out of North Dakota, <laughs> winless, and you're up. You're to five in pairwise. How's that work? What a system! <laughs> what a system the pairwise is. Just speaking of garbage, God, the pairwise is just trash. But that's what we have, and it's what we do. So. Um, it helps. It helps that some teams ahead of you had bad weekends. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to sinkers and floaters, but I mean, Boston was kind BU, of the one. Penn State yeah. also got swept. Plus, with the, I mean, with the overtime loss, a, a road overtime loss, um, isn't a bad. Uh, with the road waiting as well, mm-hmm. you basically get point four percent of a win with an overtime loss, and then. You get basically 0.6% of the of a tie because of the road weightings as well. You get an extra 20% for a road result. So you add it all up, you basically got one point out of two games. It's it's it would be the same as if you played North Dakota once and won. That's weird. Like yeah, having two games where you good. don't win is equal to one essentially one one win in one game. Mm-hmm. But that can sort of explain why, again, you jump a couple of spots even though you lose or you don't win uh, any of these games. But going to overtime on the road, you do get some RPI boost from that. So I, that's that's the system that we live in. I don't like it either. Yeah. But uh, And I'm, I've been the one on the record saying I wouldn't mind sinking a little bit. So up to five. <laughs> Up to five. We're doing a bad no. job sinking by all these overtime games, non-wins. <laughs> um, quickly, I wanted to go back to your point when you we were talking about, um, you know, Cronulla and teams kind of focusing in on him. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Crookshank and Cronulla are kind of going in ebbs and flows. Um. And what I mean by that is that I feel like when Crookshank's on fire, Cronulla sometimes leaves back a little bit and then vice versa. And, um, you know, I, you know, Crookshank has gone through two kind of stretches where he, um, you know, really didn't get uh, any, any points. Um, obviously he's in a six game stretch right now uh, where he hasn't been able to get uh, anything on the, on the, on the score sheet. Um, but the other time is, um, you know, earlier against the, uh, you know, kind of the Bemidji state series kind of back then. And Cronulla was able, you know, obviously, you know, the app Bemidji state was kind of an asterisk on that one, but Cronulla showed up for that one. And Cronulla has been hot. Now Crookshank hasn't, you know, uh, it's the last five games. He had the goal against Minnesota Duluth, but, um, it's so I think there's just kind of that ebbs and flows that I think teams are just kind of gunning on one of them and then the other will kind of step up. And I think that's what's happening here. Now, 
there's a little bit of a hole in that theory just because Chronolith is coming on the power play um, where they were able to kind of shake things up. And he has the one-timer spot in the power play, not Mietnin, which has worked incredibly well. So, um, but, you know, I, I, I have a feeling that if teams do start kind of pegging down on Cronulla, Crookshank's going to start opening up and getting some better uh, defensive uh, assignments and uh, kind of jumpstart that. So that's uh, that's just kind of my theory when it when it comes to you know I don't I don't think there's a lot of teams in NCAA that can stop both, and and I think that's what we're kind of seeing right now. Yeah, and if we can get more contributions from those bottom six, um, you know, we just saw the the power play goal from that Spolacy Molinar kind of a patchwork, the hodgepodge. Miller, um, and but like I said, I thought Ashan played well, and there was some spurts from that from those lower six players, bottom six. I hate saying lower six, but bottom six players. I thought uh, it had some had some moments, uh, and if we can get more of those, uh, that'd be nice. I mean, they, they split up that that international line as well. So they kind of took your advice. I think you said Okabe with Miller and Crookshank. Um, last week, I think so. I I, th- I think he had you had a copy playing with uh, Crookshank at the very least. So yep, yeah, it's it's nice to see uh, some cycling through. I need to see it click a little bit better than it did on Saturday. But I, I again, I like the idea to do it. If it if it ain't working and things aren't really working right now, uh, you got to got to change some stuff up. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's uh, flip on over then. Let's uh, or ed- anything else. Let's put a bow on North Dakota and get away from Grand Forks, yeah. which is yeah. always actually my advice in life is just away from Grand Forks. So um, anything else you want to nope. add about nope. weekend nope. through the series? Perfect. We're dusting the hands We're... off. Boom, Omaha, uh, the the Riviera of the NCHC, as it's been known. Um, it's going to be a nice balmy 40, 42, I think is in, in the forecast, which is great for uh, if, well, I'll, I'll say this. If you're coming, if you're going from St. Cloud, uh, you should have left by now because we are projected in, I think in some spots to get 25 inches of snow. Really? Yeah. We're going to get absolutely slaughtered starting tomorrow or starting. I would say overnight tonight when, when this goes up, you're probably looking at snow if you're if you're looking at this podcast before the weekend. I'm actually if North if St. Cloud hasn't left already, they definitely should have. I will say that because I don't think it's scheduled to stop until Friday. Like, yeah, I looked at so, the weather for for Omaha. Um, now you're coming from the south, so 20, 21 degree high on Friday. Oh, really? Um, and then it'll be the 40s the next oh, two days. Okay. But when I looked at that, and it was like one degree low on Friday, I remember that I lived in that for 31 <laughs> years. Um, and now I've been like, I, I went to dinner tonight in shorts. Uh, I have to, I have a, I have a winter coat, but I haven't worn it in, since I've been down here. Uh, I hope it still fits, um, but I'll have to bring it. 
So, uh, but I'll be in Omaha for 48 hours. I can tough it out. If I did it for 31 years or whatever it was, I, I think I can tough out a weekend in Omaha. But uh, it did not look like they were going to get any of that snow. So, uh, so no snow, hopefully, uh, in uh, during the weekend, at least that would affect my travel. So oh, that's good. Maybe that that's what they should do. They should, St. Cloud should come down to Arizona and then travel from here to Omaha because then they wouldn't have snow. So just if they have any extra cash laying around for an extra trip, you know, they could, they could swing by Castor's old stomping grounds in Phoenix uh, and then just bus it from here or something. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's always options. There's, a, there, there's options. My, my favorite trivia about Omaha is that it is the second most populous city in the United States, where the city name has more vowels than consonants in their name. Say that again. So, Omaha is the second most populous city where there are more vowels than consonants in their city name. So I got to I gotta take a swing at the, the other one. Miami. Uh-huh. It is not. Omaha has really? more of a population than Miami. Miami that, must have that, a lot of suburbs. Yeah, it's all the suburbs and the surrounding areas. I thought that was a home run there. Guess. Yeah, right. Uh, I thought so too when I heard this. I was that. Uh, I was. Uh, I was really surprised by that. Well, just um, Omaha population is uh, like about four hundred. Yeah, about five hundred thousand, and Miami population is about uh, four forty. So, else would be it's got to be like a short. How many letters in the name of the city? A lot. <laughs> There's a lot. It's a lot. And I'll give you if you want a hint that'll give it away. I can give that. Or if you want to noodle on it some more, we can come back. Can say it maybe like San Antonio. Nope. Um, not Honolulu. That's four and four, and I don't mm-hmm. think there is that big either. We can come um, back to it, or I could uh, give you a little bit of a hint. Milwaukee? No. That is Algonquin for the good land. It's good to know. And it's the it's only not- major U.S. city to elect three socialist mayors. That's right. Victor Berger, 1912. Um, don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> I so- do not know. I know mine from Wayne's World. I don't know how you know my senior thesis was on Eugene V. Debs, who oh. was a socialist uh, candidate for president five times. Um, so five? I, I, times. I didn't. Yeah, never won. Now, oh, strangely. Oh, really? But uh, and his most successful so, one. So he, he ran was, out. Are you saying he the, was he was four short? <laughs> yeah, I, well, a little bit. You gave him some more if he he just got out of the game late. He uh, he died like he he would have he would have kept going. He would have kept but going. Sure enough, his most uh, the one where he got the most votes. He ran that campaign out of a prison cell. Uh, <laughs> oh, there you go. I'd like to. Is is it published anywhere? Can I? Get, no. How would I be able to get a my get a, my senior thesis? I don't. Yes. It's not. It's not a work of real scholarship. <laughs> trust me. Didn't have a point. It was a it was a glorified Wikipedia page. Ah, gotcha. So uh, anyway, yeah, I don't. I was going to say Boise, but that must not be as more populous than Omaha, and mm-hmm. it's not a crazy long name. Just give it to me. I, I'm dying of of uh, curiosity. 
You got to go to your neighboring state of New Mexico. Oh, Albuquerque. Albuquerque. That is a good trivia question. Yeah, it's a really good one. So maybe that'll start a new bit. The U.S. <laughs> Geography Trivia Corner Ooh, on the Husky Hockey Podcast. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Albuquerque is about five hundred and sixty thousand. So good to know. That's my Omaha trip, and they have also have a zoo, which uh, they're very (laughs) proud of. They do. My my parents used to actually go to quite a few Omaha Lancers games when they lived down in Yankton, South Dakota, which is right on the border of uh, South Dakota and Nebraska. Um, They 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 really liked going to to Yank uh, to Omaha Lancers games over like Sioux Falls at that time. This was before Samford Center was built, so they liked Omaha's. Um, production a little bit more. Anyway, Omaha, the team, the Mavericks. Um, obviously a surprise. I mean, considering that I pegged them for last in the conference. Um, and really their big turning point, I would say throughout the season, is when they kind of made a big switch in goal. And he has really propelled them to uh, where they're at in, you know, Oh, I don't think they're, are they a lock for home ice? I think they're a lock for home ice at this point, right? I'll or, double check on that. Keep, keep going. But um, for, and I, I can't, you know, they, they started off um, with, uh, uh, was it Kukarski? And I think, yeah. I mean, he was of about 500 or so. And then, uh, and, and I'm going to butcher his name because um, I, I've only seen it in print and I haven't watched a lot of Omaha games this year, but, but Lakoski, Lakoski, Lakosi, Simon Lakosi, nine two and one on on the year, and with a one seventy seven uh, goals against average. So it's it's really been his net um, over the past. Um, you know, I, I think they made that switch. You know, starting you know kind of in St. Lawrence or so. I think uh, they had one. I think. Uh, uh, Kukarski got one start against Western Michigan and then got pulled after the first period. And then I assume it's going to be Simons and that kind of the rest. Well, of the way. and he's a freshman. Yeah. This Kukarski so. played the second game against Miami. He actually played there the last game that Omaha played, but that was his first. Uh, oh, did action. he play that one? Yeah. That was his first action since that Western game that he was pulled. I was surprised to see him. Oh, in that. I missed that. Um, okay. Kucharski has still played more games than, Lacozy 18 to 14 this year. But as you said, that was kind of their big question mark coming into the year. Mm-hmm. If you remember like our season preview, we had Seville uh, last year and then uh, Roden, uh, the other guy that was always kind of a pest for the Huskies. Huskies could never solve Roden. Roden transferred to Providence. Seville signed a pro contract with Vegas. So their goaltending situation was a black hole and, it uh, started the year kind of with a Caster Bassey esque split between these two guys. That first game for uh, Latkozy, first ever college game, was one of those Niagara uh, games at the beginning, first series of the year, where it seemed like your uh, prognostication was spot on because that sweep to the hands of, of Niagara. And Latkozy gave up four goals uh, in that second game against uh, Niagara. The following week, they go to Lake State. He gives up four goals in the first period to a terrible Lake State team. They pull him. Uh, ever since then, 
he has not given up more than two goals. Yep. Um, and as you mentioned, basically since the f- first of this year, for first of calendar year, he's been getting the majority of the action. He got both games, saw saw action in both games at Western, started both games at C- or against CC last weekend. Then they went back to the split this this previous weekend against Miami. But so it's not been like Kucharski's no longer ever going to see the ice. I mean, just look at that Latkozy's numbers. You'd assume that he's going to be getting, uh, or he, he's deserving of both games. I mean, right now that one seven seven goals against. Granted, just with the fourteen games played, you know that's second in the country and save percentage. He's number one. Again, that's a little skewed because you know Devon, Devon Levi, Levi, excuse me, for Northeastern is right behind him at nine thirty three, and he's basically played double the action. So mm. uh, I always feel like there should be a minimum games played to qualify. It's kind of like, you know, an ERA title. Like you need to have a, a minimum number of innings pitch to qualify for that. Like, I think there should be something similar uh, with hockey goalies, but whether or not you can say that it's a small sample size, he's been playing lights out. So that was certainly not, I would imagine not in the, uh, this is what we're going to bank on this year, Omaha fans. We're going to have Simon <laughs> Latkozy lead the league and lead the country in in save percentage. Um, but that's how it's shaken out to this point. And from the offensive side, you know, you got Randall who got, had a Jack Randall had a really good start to the year, was leading the country in goals scored for a while, um, like close to Christmas time. It's cooled off a little bit, but still has got a thirty point season going and. Uh, guys like uh, Weiss and Berg, Mueller, Mueller, um, Mueller. These guys, these guys uh, have been contributing. You know, uh, it's it's not necessarily a, a team that's running four lines deep uh, with with talent. Also, got a very good power play unit. Uh, they're at ninth in the country uh, uh, in their power play percentage. That's actually ticked down a little bit. They were closer to the top not too long ago. So another weekend mentioned it last weekend. So many teams in this conference have, have supercharged power plays. Uh, Another weekend that the Huskies PK is going to have to show up to have Mm -hmm. a chance here. So, and as you mentioned, it's, it's, go ahead. And and, well, I was going to also add on Omaha's penalty kill also is not that great. I mean, that's right now at 79%, 79.8. So 80%. So it's it's another one of those uh, series where special teams is gonna is gonna really come into play, um, and came into play obviously last weekend, and it's gonna kind of keep coming into play, and hopefully that uh, we get this penalty kill kind of straightened out, and 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 uh, we're able to make the most out of our chances. Omaha also very tough at home. Uh, weird how it's split for them. First six games of the year at home for North or for uh, Omaha did not have a regulation win in their first six games. In the ten games since then, no regulation losses, just one OT loss in that stretch. So, a, a team that has been playing very well in front of its home crowd uh, and. Huskies have not won in Omaha, not counting the pod. I mean, no fans. It's I don't think you can really count that as equal. But 
were swept there last year, didn't play there in the 1920 season. So we got to go back again, similar to, to North Dakota. Got to go back to 2019 um, to get a, a win for the Huskies in Omaha under regular conditions. Again, they, they had the pod there and all that uh, in, in the 2020 December of 2020 or, or whatever it was. So I've uh, been a tougher place to play for them uh, of late. And, uh, you know, it's a team that just came off a five point weekend at Miami had to scrape and struggled to tie the game there on, on Saturday threw a ton of shots at Miami. Um, and Pearson was standing on his head, but uh, we're able to tie it late and then score a, a goal in overtime to, um, to take both wins there. Uh, five out of six points did check those standings. They are at 38 points, Duluth at 26. So you got the 12 point gap. I they have, I mean, they would just need one more point to seal it. They may gotcha. have already done it. Like I thought that Duluth or that North Dakota, I thought they were eliminated from home ice because they're 12 points behind the Huskies, and the Huskies would have won the season series against them if in a tiebreaker situation. But Schlossman in one of his articles pointed out that if Duluth if there's a three-way tie between oh, those three teams, okay. because there's an imbalance, they have they all haven't played each other. North Dakota and Duluth only played each other one series this year. Then they would go with regulation wins as a tiebreaker. So there might be a chance if Duluth wins out and Omaha loses out. Yeah, and it, it, I'm not sure actually because St. Cloud and Omaha play, but there is a chance that they could all be at 38. I think. For all intents and purposes, they have they have locked up home ice. Uh, I'll, I'll just say it that to keep it simple uh, and say that. But but there still is, I guess, a, a very point zero 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 one chance of them not. But essentially, they have, which again, not on anyone's big bingo board. I think yeah. at the beginning of the year. So and, props and, to them. And when you're talking about Omaha's, you know how well they've been doing lately at home too. Their fans have shown up. Um, you know, they have been averaging, uh, you know, just looking back, back at the last couple of weeks. I mean, they had nearly 8,000 in one of the games against Colorado College. Um, and they regularly get over 7,000 fans a game there at, uh, at, at the backs. I don't know if it's called that, just Baxter. Uh, it is now. It is now the backs, uh, the Baxter Zoo Arena of the Riviera. Um, but, you know, talking about, you know, how big home ice is, you know, Omaha and is is pretty much, you know, the same type of record when it comes to their home and away record. Uh, nine, five and two at home, eight, five and one uh, on the road. St. Cloud State, it's completely different. I mean, we're 500 away from uh, the concrete cathedral. We're seven, seven and one. We're 11, two and two at home. It's feasting on that fat ice. Yeah, right. Exactly. So it's so it's absolutely key that we um, are are able, and you know, obviously we're in really good position still. But it's the fact that I'm even questioning if we're going to get home ice at this point is isn't a good is not a good sign. I'll, even though if you would have asked me at the beginning of the year when we pegged them for fourth, yeah, this is kind of where we thought we'd be. Weird how seasons can kind of change perception like that. Yep, very true. But, yeah, again, I'm not looking for – I'm not going to set a – got to take this many points. Just show me a good game 
Like I would rather, as crazy as it sounds, I would have rather taken less than three points this past weekend had the Huskies played way better, you know? Uh, if there was if some sort of progress in getting better. Right. Boy. Like if they would have played, if they would have, if the North Dakota and St. Cloud would have switched sides on Saturday, like St. Cloud had the 30 shots on goal and they had the 20 minutes of offensive zone time. And if they would have just flipped that performance, I would, I would be right now in this podcast, uh, a little bit more chipper. Um, sure. but I, they didn't and I'm not. Um, it's, you know, on average throughout the season, St. Cloud has got the edge in goals, the edge in goals against as well. Uh, but Omaha has been playing incredibly well lately. Um, you're, you're talking about Randall, um, Tachonic, who was the, um, you know, did play for North Dakota, transferred to Omaha, um, a few years ago. This is his fifth year. He, uh, recently named defenseman of the week. Uh, for the NCHC, he has been uh, really an absolute stud for them uh, on the blue line. And that kind of has been, I would say, maybe a little bit of a recipe to beat Omaha in the past few years as their defense hasn't been incredibly good. But, uh, you know, this uh, this team has been a little more stout than I thought they would be at the beginning of the year. That's for sure. So it's, you know, they've got some players that can score and if they defend well, and if they have an aggressive forecheck against this Huskies team, it might be a long weekend again uh, for, for the team. So that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at as like a, a barometer of where improving is if we're able to kind of capitalize on that and capitalize on our odd man rushes again, we are such a poor team converting on these odd man rushes chances. And like you said, uh, we had plenty of chances against North Dakota, plenty of chances shorthanded against North Dakota, a um, couple of two on ones and just against a subpar goalie at that time too. With um, And it's, I don't know. It's, it, there's just a lot of questions kind of up in the air that I'm looking for answers this weekend. I think, I'm I'm still feeling optimistic that we're going to turn it around, and I think we're gonna we're gonna have a strong weekend this weekend. That's that's going to be my prediction. All right. Well, I will be there, as I've mentioned. Mm-hmm. I will give you a review of the backs, the backs, as we're, as we're calling it now. On are you get, are show. you going to the zoo? Uh, probably not. Be I'm going to go to the zoo. Uh, I mean, world again, renowned. Do I need to pull up that weather? forecast again I, i'm sure going to a zoo and it's 21 <laughs> degrees out seems all that i will have 21 inches of idea. show to snow to shovels so that's mm-hmm. that's what i'm gonna deal with this is true can i at least get a picture of you flicking off a zoo sign <laughs> that, that's what i maybe would all right. we'll see cool if there's an advertisement for omaha zoo i want a middle finger I think there was right one in CenturyLink. i think they had some like mural of I remember something about <laughs> about the zoo there, like probably an advertisement of some sort. If they have something similar at the backs, then uh, I definitely will. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, anything else uh, you kind of want to add in uh, on this Omaha series before we move on? Nope. Just win games. Win, win games, play better. That's, yep. that, that's the... 
you know, if we just win the next game, all's good. Actually, let's uh, let's just go with that. Uh, let, let's flip over to uh, the women's side uh, because they had a huge weekend uh, playing up against or playing against uh, Minnesota State Mankato, who they're fighting for, jockeying for uh, in the standings uh, for position. You know, somebody right out. Yeah, I think they were tied going into the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Minnesota State swept uh, uh, the the Huskies earlier this season. And, um, you know, I was, I was looking for, you know, some good punch back and, uh, they were able to deliver, uh, with a big sweep and kind of, uh, I think a good statement series for Adolski. I mean, obviously you had those one-off games against, um, you know, against Wisconsin and against Minnesota, but you know, this, uh, this was like at, at this time where your program's at, these are the teams I want you to show up against. And this is the ones I want you to beat on a, a more regular basis. And uh, sure enough, they, they punched hard, they punched often, and they were able to get a sweep of Minnesota state. Um, were you able to watch any of the games um, at all? Or did you were you able to take in anything? A little what? bit, a little bit of the games. Um, yeah. Nice to see the offensive outburst yeah. this weekend for the Huskies, you know, just, struggling to score more than one or two goals. I mean, a lot of that is chalked up to the fact that you've been playing some really good teams of late, but uh, being able to put up five and six goals and, you know, four in the second period on, on Friday, a three goal second period on, on Saturday, being able to score in bunches uh, is nice as well. Spreading the offense around, you know, we've mentioned kind of Nealon, Lynn, Gentry kind of being uh the the carriers of your offense, you, you know, Scribner scored a couple of goals this weekend. Um, Wolf and Hall also uh, got in the action on Saturday. You were able to spread some of the offense around too. So by by sweeping this series, I mean that clinches them going up to Duluth for the playoff series. Just saw them, just were up there in Duluth. Hopefully they can make it with this uh, snowstorm. But, yeah, uh, they should leave uh, now too. I know it's Duluth, but. Let's face it, that 23 sucks, especially in blowing snow. 23 is terrible to drive on. God, don't remind me. I mean, unless you go 94 down to the cities and up 35. I mean, I guess that's a way you could go about it, too. I was surprised to see that they are. So they got the because Duluth is playing. The men's team is playing Miami this weekend, hosting Miami. Um, I was just a little mildly surprised that they're playing 3 p.m. on Friday, but then they're playing 5 p.m. on Saturday, which means that the men's game is slated for an 8.30 local start, which is a strange time, uh, pretty late. So that'll be a 9.30 local start in Miami uh, if we have those diehard Red Hawks fans. That was the schedule that I saw today when I was uh, looking around. So, um uh, but it's playoff time, and, and it's weird. It's, I mean, it's usually if if you're going to play, especially that men's side, you're usually play that Saturday game earlier than the Friday game. And it's weird that if you've already played in the Friday game at 3 p.m., just keep it at three. Yeah. But maybe they want to give the women's team, you know, playoffs and give them a little bit closer to prime time. I don't know if you're going to do that. Maybe do that Friday, Saturday, like play the later game on Friday and then earlier on Saturday. But this way the women don't have a, like 
an earlier start, like the Motsko, Motsko would hate it if you had ah, like yes, two back-to-backs true. with the early start on Saturday. Like a three and you a should one put a day in between. Hate that. Should put, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we could <can laughs> get that. Put more uh, days in between, actually. Let's put... I know. So... And it's best of three. I mean, so uh, if they uh, if they are able to steal one of these games, um, I mean, let's let's steal two of them. But I mean, mm-hmm. it could be a long series here as well. Eleventh in pairwise uh, yep. as of today. Uh, right now, the cut line is at ten. You've got four conferences represented in the top ten. You have that new ha. Uh, which is outside that. So it's kind of the Atlantic hockey equivalent. They'll, they'll take the, the Alliance. Spot. The Alliance. One God. of those teams will take a spot. So looking again, we've mentioned looking like winning the tournament is really your, your shot here. Mm-hmm. And that starts with, this might be, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough either way, but this will, this will be a real tough one to have to beat the same opponent twice. I almost have more, confidence if you can call it that to, to beat a, a, a minnesota or a wisconsin in a one game yeah. c- scenario than having to beat duluth and soderberg their their goalie um twice up in duluth um so the task is is a strong one but um at 18 16 and a couple of ties i mean at the very least clinched a 500 season i mean if they get swept they'll be 500 which I don't think any of us were expecting that in Adolski's first year. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 clearly a, been an exceeding expectations kind of year. Keep it going because uh, a sweep here could make things real interesting. Um, I mean, that could vault you into some pairwise at large uh, conversations. Again, I think that's a long shot, but let's make the long shot less long. Yeah, especially with how stingy Minnesota Duluth has. Been at giving up goals. I mean, right. it's it's been it's been tough uh, to score against them, and you know, with historically at least how offensively challenged uh, St. Cloud has been in that aspect. You know, um, hopefully that train gets bucked, and you know, we were able to pop in goals against uh, Minnesota Duluth, which is better than not. So you know, it's I'll have my eye on that weekend. Uh, so I'll be excited. Yes, indeed. And I'll put on the coffee there, apparently, for the um, That's right. for, for Minnesota Duluth uh, after afterwards. So and so they've got the eight thirty Central, and then so North Dakota Colorado College they play at six Mountain. So that's at seven. That'd be seven your time. Denver Western Michigan play that day at six Eastern. So at five. Wow. I'm a fan. Let's, let's keep having these weird time slots. Gives you an opportunity to check in on, on these games. On all these Watching games. The intermissions yeah. and then, yeah. Perfect, perfect. Sounds good. Um, you know, as we're uh, sitting here talking about uh, kind of the rest of the league, let's uh, kind of go over some of these other out-of-town scoreboard, out-of-town uh, results. Anything kind of catch your eye about uh, over the weekend? Yeah, uh, like... We talked a little bit about uh, Omaha uh, was able to take five out of six points. Uh, Western Michigan uh, was able to uh, sweep Colorado College. Uh, they continue their incredible hot streak. Um, and then with uh, Denver was able to, uh, they, well, they beat on uh, Friday. 
Um, but Minnesota Duluth was able to beat them on Saturday in Denver. In, in a so. in a high scoring Donnybrook. Yeah, right? six to five, six. chasing Krona. Uh, your guy, my um, guy. The average, the average Krona. That was, I think, the biggest yeah. surprise of the weekend was Duluth able to snag a, a win uh, in Denver. Uh, as you said, Western Michigan, they had to squeak it out. I mean, Barico played a, a great weekend for CC, kept them in the in the series. And Western Michigan had to score a couple of late goals on Saturday to to overcome a one nothing deficit, turn that into a two to one victory and a sweep. Ten out of eleven wins for Western. Um, dating back to the GLI, and that brings them within five points of Denver, and they host Denver this mm-hmm. weekend in Kalamazoo. I'm going to call it. Western Michigan is going to win this conference. Whoa! I think they're going to sweep Denver. And they're going to sweep Miami. Win the, 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 the Penrose or win the Frozen Faceoff. Win the win the Penrose. Win the Penrose. You they're going to. So? I think they're going to sweep Denver this weekend, Ooh. and then they'll hold. They'll, they'll. That's a call. They, they'll take care of Miami. They're a. They might be my out of any NCHC team. They might be my NCAA tournament pick. Uh, the way that they've been—they haven't won yet, have they? In the NCAA, they only they won last year. The they did win against Northeastern. Year. The little okay. cheesy kind of Levi misplayed the puck behind the net, and they scored an overtime goal. That was their first That's ever right first ever uh, win for the program in the tournament. Then they lost to the Gophers in the uh, regional final. But um, that's right. Cause they were yeah. talking about how all these, you know, East coast goalies were so good. And then you had him cough up the puck. And then you had um, Quinnipiac's goalie right. allowed what four on 13 or 12 shots or something like that. I mean, we still lost. They still, he still got the win, but still, well, then he played terribly against Michigan. Then yeah, he got, pull- he got pulled in that game. Too, mm-hmm. Parrots. So, well, he got pulled that game. He did get pulled against St. Cloud. But, but yeah, uh, what we're talking about, you know, St. Cloud, like kind of a lack of adjustments. And we've been talking about the same kind of weak spots for this team. Think about that in, in the case of Western Michigan. We've been talking about the first half of the year. This team can score, score in bunches. They're putting up eight goals, eight goals, six goals, seven goals. Pollen's got 25 by Christmas or whatever it was. But they can't defend, and Rowe is a you know leaking oil there uh, in, in net for them. You know he had like an 880 save percentage or somewhere in that range um, throughout the first half of the year. But in this in this 12 game stretch that I've mentioned since the GLI, which was you know Christmas time for them, it's been they've been, they are now winning games with a more defensive style. Mm-hmm. kind of game to them. These are the kind of games that you see in the NCAA tournament too. This is why I'm so high on them at this point is, you know, able to win a two to one game that you had to come back late to beat CC win a lot of four to one games, you know, in this stretch, but you had the one blip in this 12 game stretch, that seven to six wild win at North Dakota where yep. North Dakota is playing their third string goalie. Um, other than that, you can even go back to, uh, the another seven to six game at Omaha at the beginning of this, uh, beginning of December. Rowe has not given up other than that seven to six game at North Dakota. He has not given up more than two goals um, in any game since December third. There's a couple of games where where Western gave up three goals, but those were empty netter. 
uh, empty net goals at the end with losses at, at Omaha and versus North Dakota. When he's in net, he's only given up a max of two, again, except for the one blip with that six-goal spurt that he gave up at North Dakota. So out of that, what, 14, 15-game stretch, he has really uh, he's really found his niche and also credit to their defense as well. Obviously takes takes part of the credit there. And again, I mean, it's not like their offense has been tailing off either. I mean, yeah, it's just a two-to-one win against CC, but going back last month, you know, putting up four goals a game a lot, seven, six in some of these outings, eight goals a piece at the GLI. So the offense hasn't been disappearing either. They've just been playing a more tighter style of play and able to win kind of games like they did this past Saturday as well. So I, I'm very high on them. Wow, watch them go out and, and Denver lay a stomping on them uh, in front of the, the home crowd at Kalamazoo. But I, I, yeah. I, I'm more confident as far as any of the teams in the NCHC than I'm more confident about the Broncos than about anybody else at this point, even Denver. And that's why I give Western the edge this weekend. Uh, We'll see. I mean, if kind of one of those, are they for real moments or series this weekend, defending national champions in Denver coming in, you got one of those games, a Friday game is a a nationally televised game. So you got the pomp and circumstance of the star man uh, in the building and all that extra eyes watching the game who might be what, uh, you know, stragglers from the Buffalo Kent state basketball game <laughs> that came, that was before. Um, or maybe the, uh, that, the New Mexico of UNLV game afterwards there. We got some early viewers. You, you got a chance to really you got a chance to make expand a name for your fold, yeah. get more fans in your fold here uh, uh, with the national spotlight on you. So I, I do feel uh, like they are the team to beat in the conference right now. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's it's that it's that final kind of log jam um, around the middle part of the conference is that's still mm-hmm. going to be obviously settled. Now, I mean, home ice again, it's very much in the hands in the control of St. Cloud and Omaha, and, uh, and Western has clinched home ice at this point with the thirty nine points, but. But also like the, the jockeying between, you know, the race for fifth between uh, UND and um, and Duluth, CC, you got to put in that as well. Uh, North Dakota going out to CC for their only series this weekend, uh, only series of the year. As you mentioned, yeah, this is the one, one of the weekends where these are just games where it's just the only time the team sees them this year. St. Cloud only that gets Omaha for their only time this year. Miami and Duluth are meeting for their only time this weekend, CC and UND, and then obviously Western and Denver. So these are teams that they're un- unfamiliar with this version of these teams. So that'll be interesting to see how those sh- shake out. But um, coming down the stretch, two series to go. It's uh, the only spot that's been clinched. Miami is in eighth place, and they will not move from eighth place. Mm. Everything else is still in flux. So yeah, exciting I mean- time of year. I I still think Denver's gonna gonna get the Penrose, but I mean, that's just because of just, just the lead that they have right now. And obviously, yeah, Western Michigan. Well, that really up. means that they're they're they, they're winning a game in Kalamazoo. I mean, if they get swept, Western's in first place. Yeah. So you're confident that they can win a game in Kalamazoo? Yes, I, I am. Um, that's fair. Now, with you know Western, obviously, you know. 
talk about now is it Poland or Poland? We, we haven't Poland? gotten I've, I've seen a lot of different Poland, Pol, Poline. I've heard a lot of different Jason. I've always gone call him Jason. So, yeah, I've gone <laughs> B Pollen. I've, I've, I've gone Pollen. That's like that's that's what I'm going. Um, but I might be wrong. Yeah, well, like you said, obviously he was he was the hot goal scorer. Um, uh, his line mate Ryan McAllister, who I think is Rookie of the Year in the NCHC, as as much as you know North Dakota is trying to pimp out Jackson Blake. Um, I think McAllister's got it. Um, it is their leading you know points, forty one points, one point two eight goal or uh, points per game. Um, you know, when, uh, St. Cloud played them, it was Granger who was the one who got it done. Uh, Luke Granger was, um, and he's sitting there. He almost has a point per game average. You got Max Assassin who's at a point per game average. So, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a high, it's a high flying team and it's, um, and, and now that they've got a little bit more stability there on the back end. Yeah, it's, it's that's that Galambos that they have, who is a AIC transfer. He's been really good for them uh, on, on the point. Offensive minded, plays mm-hmm. plays power play minutes. He's been very good for them. Very good pickup uh, in the portal for them this mm-hmm. this off season. Yeah. yeah, and I mean with you know Saint Cloud and Omaha, Western Michigan, and De- like like looking at this, I'm salivating at this schedule this weekend. Like I'm really excited for. Uh, for these games that are going to be played, and especially after hearing uh, just kind of the wonkiness on Saturday too, with the with the timing, like this is, yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not getting off the couch. Like this is this is prime time. This is uh, this is going to be a wonderful stretch here. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, I was just kind of looking back over the past couple of years to see where kind of the cutoff for the points, you know, for the home ice. Uh, would be and you know in previous years yeah 36 points where the Huskies are at now that got us home ice so um, we're we're definitely on the good uh, on the good side of it uh, right now just to you know get things done here this weekend and and uh, we're obviously going to be in good shape so and, and with us only losing two games so far this year at home it's uh, I mean, I don't want to talk about Miami, but it's, you know, I, I, I like obviously our chances at home a lot better. Yeah. Um, Michigan uh, a state had, I know a tough weekend uh, you know, losing to Wisconsin. You know, anytime you give up six goals to Wisconsin, you have to wonder what the heck's going on. <laughs> so that's, uh, that was a little bit of the big 10 update. Um, uh, I know. I believe Michigan and Ohio State. Did you catch any of that face-off on the lake in Cleveland? Yeah. Uh, some <laughs> I ice issues. Hate. Um, well, weird. Yeah, ice issues in outdoor <laughs> college games. I can't believe they actually had a frozen four at <laughs> at an outdoor. Not even outdoor. Ford Field's not even outdoor. Just on a football. Yeah. Game. Yeah, don't blame outdoors on that. There, that was a travesty for a lot of different reasons, but you can't blame outdoors on that. But yeah, I, I had seen the one where I'm sure it's happened before. I know there's been ice issues in outdoor games in the past, which I, I'm I'm not a huge fan of outdoor games. I don't know where you stand on that. Um, I think they're a gimmick that's kind of played out at this point. Yeah, um, but it's kind of cool when they forty five thousand plus uh, came out to see it. Another data point for an uptick in attendance this year, which is good to see. <laughs> um, 
but I haven't seen it where so they they stopped the game with five minutes to go in the second period to resurface, and then came back, played the last five, took a one minute break, switched sides, and then played the rest of the third, which you knew. Yeah, by the end of the third period, then you're going 25 minutes of game time without getting resurfaced. It was real. I mean, the puck was just, he had to slap shot it out of for a breakout pass. Like, very much, you know, the snow buildup, the puck was just very slow and kicking up. And what you the have, ice was real choppy. What do you think so, of Ohio State sweaters or jerseys? I yeah, I mean, I thought it, they were garbage. I, 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 I didn't have a, a strong opinion about it because I, I again, I. If you're going to do the gimmick, I guess go all out. You're playing on a football stadium, so you're going to have some football-themed jerseys. I, I guess that's what they're going with. Um, their, their jerseys in general are kind of blah. So yeah. if you're going to change it up, fine, because what, you, what you're getting away from isn't special either. So uh, more so that, I mean, that was you know an important game between those two teams. Lots of, I mean, that's, so the Gophers clinched the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. This weekend, huge gap on second place. Uh, and Wisconsin has done their part and clinched last. Um, but everything else, two to six. Notre Dame at six right now could still finish second. Michigan at two could finish sixth. Uh, that's unlikely because Notre Dame plays at Michigan this weekend, but it's all jumbled together. And well, I guess Michigan couldn't, yeah, because Michigan State's done now. So they're at 34. So. I guess Michigan could be fifth at lowest, but still, all, any of those teams they have not locked in their their seedings yet. That'll all be determined this this last weekend. And with Michigan State dropping that game against uh, Wisconsin, killer for them because losing to Wisconsin obviously not good, uh, and that dropped them to 18th. They're at 500 right now. We yeah, haven't really been doing uh, Wisconsin suppo- rule update with them because of this like they needed if they were to lose to wisconsin it's a bad enough loss that it drops you out of the top 15 so i mean they need to win their playoff series in order to even have a chance because if they lose the playoff series they'll be under 500 the thing is if they lose that they wouldn't be in the they wouldn't be in the position to be wisconsin out if they lost the playoff series yeah at five at, at a game under 500 whereas notre dame however also right at 500 at 14, 14, and four. And they're at 16th in the pair rise right now. They definitely have a chance to, to still gain in the pair wise to a point where they would be Wisconsin out. I'm looking at two and three. I think getting two wins is better than just one. Although it is possible that they could move up going one and two. Uh, ties also ties and overtime losses in this last weekend. Obviously you won't have the overtimes in the playoffs are five on five. So those go down the the three on three overtimes where we get a little bump, like how St. Claude did this weekend that goes away in conference playoffs. Cause those are five on five, 20 minute overtime periods. Uh-huh. So keep that in mind. And, like and, God obviously, intended. and obviously ties are not possible because they'll just play on until someone wins. So you can't tie in the playoffs, and you can't have a overtime loss that you get some RPI points for. So you could. what I'm thinking is get a tie and a loss, an overtime loss this weekend at Michigan, 
Michigan's at third right now. So a tie in overtime loss, exactly what St. Cloud got this weekend to North Dakota, a team below them, and St. Cloud gained in the pairwise. Doing the same against a better team like Michigan is, I think that might bump Notre Dame up a little bit. Then I'm thinking win. So that'll put them at, or, or how about this? Two overtime losses at Michigan, put some two games under 500. Then you'll probably play like an Ohio State in the playoffs, sweep them <laughs> to get back to 500, and that sweep will really help you. And then lose the one game against the Gophers in the semifinals. The Gophers will have the bye in the first round. And the semifinals and the finals are just single games, mm-hmm. not, a, not a best of three. So that'll be that'll give you two and three as your record, and two of those losses being overtime losses. I think that would be enough for Notre Dame to be in the top 14, 15, and have an under 500 record. Mm. I know this is a real obscure set of results I'm rooting for, but I want this. I want the Wisconsin <laughs> want- rule to be applied once. Right, uh, exactly. In my lifetime. I do too. So, I do too. And it's a possibility because they're going to play, I mean, obviously playing Michigan this weekend, they're going to play a good team in the, in the playoffs either. There is a chance they'll play Michigan State, but it's a long shot. They'll most likely play either Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State, and those are all top 10 pairwise teams. And mm-hmm. they'll likely play play them on the road as well. So, and then if you somehow get by them, then you have the Gophers there. So, and, which they're probably the best team in the country right now. So good chance that they can, they're our best chance, obviously for the Wisconsin rule. And I am definitely rooting for it. Well, I, th- I think everybody outside of Michigan state is rooting for it. So, um, you know, just, uh, you know, since we're there, we're in that neck of the woods right now. Um, that was one of my sinkers for sinkers and floaters, obviously Michigan state, uh, dropping four spots. Uh, Cornell was the big loser dropping five. Um, yeah, you know, they, they went that weekend. Yeah. They went from 10, um, down to, down to 15 right now. Losses to St. Lawrence and Clarkson, um, Both home losses too. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was your big drop. And then uh, I alluded to a little bit early, uh, Boston university, BU, the Terriers, uh, dropped three spots, still comfortable at nine, but, um, nine. Nine, nine, nine times. So it's, so, so they're still sitting pretty, but you know, the thing I wanted to point out uh, was just kind of the big, you know, overall change that they've had. You know, we've, t- I've, I've talked quite a bit about uh, hockey East in general, about how bad that they've dipped over uh, throughout the, you know, really since, uh, since Christmas break how a lot of their teams have really dropped. Um, now, one of those teams was Northeastern, who has now been on a huge upswing and is a floater, um, you know, up to 14 here. Remember, they were 44th back in January, on January 2nd. Uh, but BU, just three, just two weeks ago, they were at three in the pairwise. They were a one seed. And now they've steadily declined from three, six, nine damn she's fine so sitting down at nine right now in the pairwise so it's uh kind of a straight drop there for for bu so they're trying to get off the schneid here yeah four straight losses for them one of those in overtime but uh miramac getting off the mat Mm -hmm. 
it might be a little too too little too late for Miramac, but a, a good weekend for them, obviously. Win and you know, an overtime it's just a win. little too late against BU. Little JoJo uh, right there. Yeah, Northeastern like dropped on Friday, and I saw that they, which was weird because they didn't play. They only played a single game this weekend at Vermont, which they won on Saturday. Um, but I saw that they dropped a bunch on Friday, and it was uh, curious as to why. And it looked like they had lost another common opponent-based uh, comparison to Providence, based on Providence winning on Friday. And they got it back. They won it back because Providence lost to UMass Lowell on Saturday. But that one is right on the brink of flipping. Um, Now, the good news for for Northeastern read this on CHN. um, We're talking about those two comparisons to Union and Bentley, which are really sticking out like a sore thumb for Northeastern right now. Well, they play UMass this weekend, Northeastern does, and UMass also played Union earlier in the year and got swept to UMass. So if if uh, Northeastern just takes one win against a reeling UMass team, team that's like won once in the calendar year, then they'd be able to flip that comparison against Union. They, so they have can take care two of one shootout of wins against Vermont. Who does? You, uh, UMass. You, okay, all right. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Carvel. So, I, I games which they led three nothing in both of those games. Except Vermont, who's terrible. Roll, but, roll back uh, the tape of me earlier saying, "Oh, we only count real wins on this podcast," <laughs> and here I just come well, back. Not and when say, it strengthens or weakens our argument. Um, you know, that actually, um, actually, they also won shootouts versus Vermont. So they might be able to, to win back that Union um, comparison. It looks like that Bentley one is going to be stuck unless they play, I believe, Maine in the hockey's tournament. Um, it's incredible. Like, What a system. <laughs> what a a ben- Bentley's 5-1 <clears throat> win over Maine in October could play a major part in determining Northeastern's NCAA tournament hopes. It's nuts. You never yeah, know what's never gonna know. what's gonna screw you. But uh, keep an eye on that because they've got so Northeastern's got UMass this weekend, and then they have Lowell to end the year, the regular season. And the Lowell games are big for those uh, Providence common opponents uh, comparisons. So if they lose those games, they're going to lose other comparisons as well. I mean, obviously, to keep it easy for them, they just got to win out. They'll be fine. But um, if they don't, not only will they will they drop based on their RPI dropping, but they're on the brink of some of these common opponents comparisons that, that could, they could slide even further. So keep an eye on that. Um, did you did you do uh, floaters? I feel like we've just been negative, or did did I? Did I miss that? Well, North, Northeast, Northeastern. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. And then uh, the other one was actually Omaha. So we talked a little yeah. bit about um, already. But uh, Omaha making uh, making quite a quite a leap there. Um, up four spots, up to 13. So they're starting to look a little bit better um, every week. So they got, a, they got a lot to play for here uh, for yep. this week. So. Just win one of those Niagara games, they'd be at 11. 
<laughs> they won both. They'd be at eight. Yeah. Keep that in mind. So, and I was, uh, it, it was that I was so excited because I saw it was that that time of year for the vaunted CHN pairwise probability matrix. One of my favorite features in uh, the world, the online world of college hockey, um, debuted. Uh, this past week, and I was surprised to see St. Cloud was listed as a hundred percent in their pairwise probability, the the, the matrix. Uh, when it first was calculated, I think on Tuesday of last week, yep. they've actually slipped. <laughs> they've slipped from one hundred percent to ninety nine point eight percent. So the the moral of the story here is, if you're at a hundred percent, that doesn't mean that you're guaranteed a spot in the tournament. That just means that in a hundred percent of their simulations i think it's twenty thousand uh, simulations Cloud, something like that and there's more there's more there's too many games left that, yeah. that doesn't include all the possible scenarios it clearly didn't involve the scenario where saint cloud loses every single game from here until the next decade <laughs> um which seems to be the trajectory we're on so uh, it's, when you look at that chart, it's it's a fun chart. Well, we um, play Wisconsin again, don't we? Sometime <laughs> we'll win one of those. Well, hopefully, games. hopefully we can get get it back on the schedule. But um, but it's kind of a fun chart. It, it shows not only the the percentage of of you know the probability of just making the tournament, but it splits it out versus at large and the uh, the qualifier winning the tournament route. Conference tournament and also shows sort of which seeding is most um, probable uh, as well, and it also even gives you the the red numbers here on the right next to the team. That's the Wisconsin rule probability. So that's the Notre Dame's right now at eighteen percent. I again, I, I think that they're underselling that um, because they're they're using Cratch to feed in their probability. They're not RPI, so maybe they're in love with Cratch. So maybe that's skewing the numbers uh, slightly, but. Uh, but they give you, if you like the fancy stats and the fancy numbers, it, plus it gives us a, a good opportunity to use our, our brand new button bar uh, and sound effect. <laughs> um, and so uh, we might be citing the the Matrix uh, down the stretch here and uh, look forward to that, to doing that. So just wanted to throw that out there as well. Mm. Well, sure enough. Yeah, I always, I always like... You know, just kind of looking at just just for some of the I always like to look at like the automatic qualifier sections just to kind of see, you know, kind of what they. You know, I, I don't know how much stock to take into it, but like just looking at it as they have St. Cloud State sitting at 22 percent chance to to win the automatic qualifier in the NCHC. Um, obviously, Denver at 34 percent, but Western Michigan at 25 percent, which uh yeah, I think Western Machine does have a better chance to win uh, the way things are going here than St. Cloud does. So, but I'll you know, just kind of going down. It's a it's kind of a cool tool. Um, uh, to yeah, use. like right right now, like they have Minnesota. Hundred percent of their calculations have them as a one seed. Right mm-hmm. now. There's no simulation that has them as a two seed or below. So, I mean, again, I'm sure there's a scenario where. They're losing out, and Quinnipiac, and every everyone below them is is bumping up, and and so don't take that as the gospel that that's how it's definitely going to shake out. But <laughs> the gospel according to Woden, 
<laughs> According to Cratch. Uh, <laughs> but 99% chance that Minnesota is going to be a one yeah, seed. They'll be a probably one seed. a very good chance that they're going to be the number one overall seed. Uh, uh, so that's, that's kind of, it's just kind of interesting too, to see how the seedings, where the bands of seeds that is most, is most likely. Uh, and the matrix does love the Huskies. So yeah. maybe that's our, maybe that's our hope that we cling to is that, you know, they might that power play units a little struggling and, uh, you know, it sucks that Anhorn's up, but God, we're really solid in the matrix. So Mm-hmm. Keep 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 the faith. That's uh that's good advice for you, because uh, you, you were just so melancholy right at the start. Well, like said at the beginning, you get a favorite chip, chip favorite chair, favorite smashing I'm pumpkins for, album. Yeah, melancholy and the infinite <laughs> sadness. I think for sure because was, it's the only I mean, that's the only one that I can name. <laughs> Um, but like obviously i that's a really good album but i didn't did it need to be a double album i don't think i think most album double albums don't need to be a double album. so you can you can you can you can probably cut three or four of those songs i can uh bring that to billy ah, uh, Corgan, Corgan. and uh give him that message oh. um obvi- obviously their other big album Obviously, there are other big ones, but um, <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins fans are just going to be ticked when I say that. But um, Siamese Dream was the one just before Melancholy. But okay, so what was it? there was one after that too? I there's I have a couple friends that are huge Smashing Pumpkins fans. They would be very disappointed yeah. with me right now as well. But uh, they're good. I, I like them. Yeah, I, I do too. My my wife likes to make fun of me because I'm. Like I really like Matchbox Twenty, and I do not. Wait, what? I don't like Rob Thomas. Never been a fan of that voice. What? Hate it. That song that he did with uh, it, well, I don't think it was Matchbox Twenty, but the one he did with uh, Santana, with Santana Smooth. God, I hate Are that you song. kidding God, me? Smooth. Is... Da, da, da. Oh, shut oh, up. God, it. wow, this is blowing my mind right now. <laughs> So I'm like always good for a hot take. Like 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 yourself or someone like you is like one of my top five albums of all time. Like, I mean it's sorry to break it to you, not one of my top five albums. <laughs> well clearly time. not. So so do you not like Matchbox 20 or do you not like Rob not Thomas? Really. Is it like a Maroon well, 5 Adam Levine? I don't like situation? his voice. I don't like Rob Thomas's voice. Ergo not going to be a huge Matchbox 20 fan oh. because of that. So God, but, I'm really tempted to just rage quit this podcast right now. I am. I'm like offended. Like usually, and that's like my wife's point is like, nobody has that strong of an opinion of Matchbox 20. It's like, so it's weird that I do like them so much. And now here you are like, we're <laughs> on the opposite other side of the fence of that. You hate them or you hate Rob yeah. Thomas. Three. They did three AM, right? Yeah. I mean, there's there's some songs. Three AM are, are just unwell. Real world. Uh, for some reason, I, I I lump them together. Maybe this is how far we've come. This is uh, blasphemy. But um, Third Eye Blind 
which I'm more partial to. I like them more. Um, Back so, to good. If you're gone, push bright lights. None of these are like, oh, oh okay. I guess, I guess hate would be a, a harsh word. Just, <laughs> If they come across the radio and they're playing, I'm probably turning the channel. No, no. I'm I'm cranking it. Oh, all right. It's it's good. Questions. (laughs) We're going to move over to questions. We have several questions. We've got several questions for you. But now I'm feeling unwell. I'll say that. Um, Don't get bent out of shape. (laughs) Too late. Um. I, I forgot uh, Eric Chester, uh, new, uh, newly, uh, new father. Um, uh, so oh. congratulations to, to Eric. And he uh, just had a question, um, or, or Eric had a question about the, um, you know, basically uh, he was uh, asking about bringing his, uh, his newborn over the National Hockey Center for a game uh, for his first for the first series against Minnesota Duluth um, there at the end. And if, wondering if that's too young, even with earmuffs and, and whatnot. Um, I will say that I, with Clara now with the twins, it was kind of a whole different piece but with Clara. I know I was very protective of going anywhere. So I guess it's just kind of dealer's choice. I, she, she probably would have been fine with the, with the, uh, with the headphones on and kind of muting out everything and they sleep a lot anyway at that point. So you're, you're probably fine. Um, enjoy. I think actually her first game might've been hockey day, Minnesota, uh, for Clara. So, which was how old was she? I think she was, she was over one at that point. Okay. And we're talking. So Eric's, uh, newborn is like weeks months. old months. months. Yeah. I, I defer to the uh, parent on the podcast for this one. <laughs> so ah, that's, that's up to you basically is uh, all, all, all I'm, all I'm going to say about that one. Uh, but I know that I wouldn't just because I am a big baby when it comes to that. I'm overprotective of all my kids and I already know that's going to scar them probably for life, but some. Um, uh, questions, questions. Let me, uh, get one. Um, one, uh, obviously, Dan Jacobson, are you looking forward to Snowmageddon? Uh, no, not at all. Um, uh, but I think, you know, we always have this one last hurrah of a snowstorm before, uh, before we get to spring. So hope, hopefully we just get it all out of our system here, uh, right now, but a little early. I, I you might have like another one cuz there's always yeah. a march there's always a march one too yeah it's the heart attack snow where it's the heavy yeah. you're you're going to have a heart attack shoveling the the sidewalk um, yeah and you know it, obviously me being again older millennial you know talking about my age um you know we every we, everyone my age and a little bit older has a halloween 91 blizzard story this is going to be the the 23 president's day blizzard now we're going to be talking right. about this story for, for for the next decade plus. So, um, uh, Steve uh, Orvis, a uh, little bit off topic, but uh, like his thoughts on why the frozen faceoff is always held in St. Paul uh, versus somewhere like Denver. Um, this is not the WCHA with five Minnesota teams. Uh, I thought this was kind of an interesting question 
for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, mainly because now it's it's more of the norm, I guess, that conferences have on campus tournaments. Um, uh, you know, from from now on. So, you know, it's 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 kind of an instance here for the NCHC. Obviously, you've got, you know, three teams in really close proximity. And, um, you know, it's a little bit more of the center of, you know, if you just kind of lay out the map with, obviously, the two Eastern teams as well. So uh, I, I just, I, I would really only think of maybe Omaha being a different site for it. But I don't, I don't know. I, I can't think of a better site it would be. I don't think Denver would be just with only two. And again, Omaha is a little bit of a long road trip um, to to Denver. But um, yeah, I mean, if they're going to keep going this route, I think also the fact that you might get some just hockey fans bleeding over from other conferences as well. Um, if those other teams like uh, Mankato or Bemidji, maybe a little bit less Bemidji, but like if Mankato or Minnesota, if they're not playing that weekend, maybe they go check out a game um, at the X. So I think that kind of plays into it a lot. Um, just do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, is is there any other area or city that you would think, or maybe a, a rotating? I know the WCHA did that with what Milwaukee yeah. for for a, for a little bit before they decided just to to stay yeah, in the I mean, cities. I, I wouldn't be you know, utterly opposed to changing it up and, and putting it at different sites. One thing too is St. Paul is that yes, there's teams close, but there is no team in St. Paul. Whereas Denver, mm-hmm. there is a, I mean, Denver is there. So it's like they wouldn't have to travel at all. Even St. Cloud and, and St. Cloud would be the closest to it. They would still have to travel uh, to the frozen face-off. So I think that was part of it. Let's be honest. I think it was the trying to preserve the tradition of the final five yeah. and their main customer base is North Dakota fans. So do you want to put it at a place that's too far for, a, you know, a groundswell of North Dakota fans to travel there? Uh, I would prefer it not to be in Grand Forks. Uh, it's been there, you know, we added that COVID year yeah. it was in there. Um, but, um, I mean, yeah, we talked about this last year when, you know, you've, you've made a, an, an annual visit to the final, well, final five and now frozen face off. That I have. That's kind of been a tradition for you. Only, only missed the grand forks here. Yeah. And, uh, and that's going like back to the target center. Yeah. Right? Um, so there is the there is the tradition again again different conferences spanning two conferences now, but I think that's a part of it too. You know, maybe that's clinging on too much to tradition. But tradition. You know, we talked about it. We talked about tradition. it last year. As far as yeah, a lot of these other conferences are moving to campus sites only, and we're both in. We're leading the choir as far as put the NCAA tournament games on campus, at least the regionals. Um, why shouldn't that apply to conference tournaments? And I think we agreed that the ideal is to have a neutral site conference tournament, provided that you are able to draw well and that it's a good fan experience. If you saw the last couple of Big Ten tournaments when those yeah. were still, I mean, they were rotating that from the X to Joe Lewis or whatever the Detroit. 
I think it was still Joe Lewis at the time. They, it only lasted two or three years before they pulled the plug on that because those were like a thousand people, maybe. Yeah, those are counting, counting like the teams and the media and the refs, like maybe a thousand people in those buildings for those for those uh, Big Ten tournaments. And it's not thankfully it has not gotten that bad um, for the NCHC, um, and that's a good thing. I guess you have to weigh the fact of cost. Would you rather well costs, but also would you rather have Great atmosphere playing in campus sites versus twelve thousand at the X. You know, it's not it's not a dead building, but it's not packed either. Mm. Is that enough for you from an uh, like an atmosphere standpoint that you'd say, yeah, the neutral site is better or is preferable? What what would you say to that? And if they did go to campus sites and the championship game is in Denver. Are you and your dad going to Denver for that final no. game? No, no matter who's no, not going to be able to do it. So yeah, it's, but what, what would you prefer between like what the atmosphere we have now? Is that better or worse than campus sites? Um, I would say as long as we still, as long as we keep having upward momentum with the neutral sites, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, now NCAA tournament, obviously I want campus sites and I don't even want regionals. I just want one game weekend right. of, yeah, I was meant like yeah. replacing the regional weekend mm-hmm. on, on campus yeah. quarterfinals. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're in agreement there. So, so, um, but with the, you know, I, I, I would like, because, because obviously the WCHA final five, it didn't all of a sudden start out with 18,000 like that was, you know, right. it built up to that. So as long as we keep building up, you know, and and I think, you know, as long as there's that forward momentum, I think that's going to be a good sign. And I feel that there has been more and more year after year. Um, so as long as that continues, I, I I would like it. I wouldn't mind going, you know, back the other way. My dad and I would have to bond over something else. Then uh, maybe we'll. We'll take a golf trip somewhere or something like that. But it's, um, but, uh, you know, as long as it's, you know, profitable and a good move for the conference. And yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. And I think I just can't think of a better spot than, like you said, than in, than in Minnesota. Um, if, cause I don't think, I don't think Denver's a better spot than Minnesota. And we, we've always like the North Dakota factor. Yeah. We have, and it's like, if North Dakota doesn't make it, boy, they're going to take a bath. We have some data with that because they didn't make it to the Frozen JSF in 2019. Um, and the attendance was worse. Uh, it's been around 11,000 to 12,000. Uh, it was that last year and previous to the to that 2019 season where North Dakota was in it every year. Between the Target Center and the XL, at that eleven to twelve thousand range in that twenty nineteen frozen faceoff, you know nine thousand ninety six hundred for a semifinal with Denver and you uh, and Minnesota Duluth, ten thousand you know ten five ish for the uh, consolation of the championship games. Um, so it wasn't it it was a dip, but it wasn't a catastrophic dip. So obviously they'd love to have North Dakota make it 
because that means at least if we're taking this as our data point, at least 2000 roughly mm-hmm. uh, bump, bump in attendance. Um, I'm actually surprised there wasn't more that, uh, that North Dakota didn't um, that their absence wasn't more obviously felt at the gate, but that gives you an idea that it's not just a North Dakota show that the other teams in the conference do their best to bring their fans. I mean, Denver, not so much, um, but, um, but they don't travel really anyway. So, uh, and it's not like they're struggling to compete in these things because it seems like they always win the frozen face off. You go back to the final five. They won a slew of those with, you know, 14 fans, which were all parents uh, rooting for him in Denver maroon uh, in in the stands. So I don't think they're uh, struggling because they don't have the fan uh, the fans on their side. So there was that. They can they can always take that as being we're the outsiders. You know, no, no one likes us, <laughs> but we'll stick it to you. And a lot of times they've done that. So so yeah. Uh, Aaron, uh, special teams. They don't look special or like a team. Your thoughts? <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's a you know a, everything's going to get tested again. I mean, obviously throughout the rest of the year, but uh, this weekend it's going to be um pretty big. Uh, Alan Merrick, uh, what's with all the five minute majors this year? Feels like there's one in every game. Um. I do feel like the review has something to do with it. And I feel like the reviews haven't gone St. Cloud's way. Um, Now, when I say that it's going to sound sour, but really the only sour one, I guess would be the brand. And that wasn't a five minute major that was called. That wasn't a called against him, but like, well, you know, Lutke's five-minute major, that originally wasn't called at all. And then they reviewed, they challenged, and that, and then they did end up going back to it. So In that case, they can only, they can only give a five-minute major. Correct. So, I mean, they can't give a minor in that situation. But there are situations that call a minor and then review it for a potential major mm-hmm. as well. Which I think is what they did with Gabe with Gabers on, 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 on Friday. Now, yeah. I don't know if that's just what they're doing just to kind of hedge their bets to give him more leeway as a referee. I mean, I guess that's what I would do is just call it the lower and then review to see if it should be a major versus just calling it a major. And Cause I don't know if you can call it a major well, and was, and downgrade it. And was the Lutke major, was that reviewed because of a challenge? That was a challenge. Dakota? Yep. So, I mean, that's another situation, too, where mm-hmm. the refs weren't going to call anything and they weren't even going to review it until North Dakota, you know, put their time out on the line to do that. So it's another intriguing aspect of it. Um, I, I, I've i said it before, I'm not huge with reviews, um, video reviews for, for anything. And, yeah, I, I don't – I think there are too many five-minute majors called. Um, yeah, I think it's just a, an overabundance of, of safety concerns. It's a violent sport. It can get violent. Um, there should be five-minute majors called sometimes, but especially when it comes to, you know, like this Dan Drager was the was the ref this weekend, and he's just 
he's so demonstrative in his calls. Like he's just very <laughs> two minutes for tripping. And he makes a big show of it. He's a ref that just loves making the game about him. And these five minute majors are so vital turning points in a game. I just don't like it where it's, it's almost like these refs, some of them at least um, take their opportunity to be like, okay, this is where I really assert my presence in this game. And then you get to the point where it's like, well, now that we called the five minute major on that team, then we, I got to give one back to you the got, other. You got to give another one back. Yeah. You know, you, maybe not a five minute major, but we'll give them a, a chintzy two minute minor to, to cut the five minutes a little to three minutes. And, and the next thing you think it's just, then you're, you're thinking back on the game as it's like, boy, this is really over officiated. And, yep loses the the pace and loses the the importance of five on five hockey, which should be the main folk which should be the main that's the majority of the game. It really shouldn't be decided all on special teams. Like that can be the difference in the games, but give them just a just call the obvious stuff. Don't don't look for the create to be creative. And when you look on the video review, it's very hard for them when you're looking at it on a loop seven times. To say that's that eh, that's not really a penalty. Um, so yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it uh, either. And um, the one benefit because I actually watched the Saturday game late. I didn't watch it live. Um, I went to a uh, you, I went to a bouncy ball game. Um, Whoa! Shockingly. Was uh, it Kent State versus? It's not UNLV. It's not the Mac. But uh, University of Arizona is doing pretty good this year, and I've I've wanted to get to a game. I was it was a we could do a separate podcast on that about sort of fan atmosphere in basketball versus hockey. Like it's they're very different fan experience types of sports. And let's put a pin in that. Was, let's let's do that for a summer. Uh, it's a something summer that show. I think hockey struggles to I, hockey struggles to compete in the atmosphere yeah. of the game. To basketball, I think, especially college basketball. And University of Arizona is like a top five team. They're very good, and they've had a very good year. Very good. Did they win? Years. They did. And so, I mean, we're not talking about a Kent State and Buffalo game, which I'm sure the atmosphere isn't quite at the level that you know it was a fourteen thousand plus packed arena, and it was fun. But anyway, so we watched it afterwards. I I did it really nice, right? toggled the note don't show the scores and everything so i was in the dark i didn't know the score and was able to do it but the best thing was is i was able to just fast forward fast forward through all those reviews all the commercials um so it was it was nice in that regard that i didn't have to sit and wait all the for these all the talk about how great salquist is good lord (laughs) did you see the one where he's been again just waxing poetic about his face-off draws, and they showed one where he literally did not touch the puck. The, the North Dakota guy poke-checked it, and it looked like a St. Cloud won the draw, but literally Salkwist didn't even touch the puck with his stick. But he was I'm sure he's credited with his face-off win because they got it back to the point. And it's uh yeah, it's it's getting to the it's getting to the comical stage because there was a McHatton article that said his face-off percentage is at 54% this year. He was, he was good, but yeah, he, uh, one win, 
one win, seven losses on Saturday. Yeah, on Saturday it was it was it was a rougher night for them. But so. uh, but yeah, it's it's similar to the um, the thing in like baseball. If 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 a catcher can't hit, like if he's off, like if he's a terrible hitter, that means commentators will overstate how good of a defender he is. Like or uh, a game know. manager, or he knows his pitchers very right. well, or. God, just pitchers just love throwing to him. Yeah. He's hitting a buck. He's hitting a buck forty, but hey, that guy can dig a ball out of the dirt like no other. Uh, and it's it's similar in this regard. That oh, God, man. these faceoff wins. It's just so key. I'm trying to think of who the Twins catcher was. Obviously, not Joe Mauer. Junior Ortiz. No, oh, it was AJ Perzinski. We no, no he was good. Butch Weiniger. No. Tim Lauder. Who are you? Like, who are, like, like, obviously I've heard of Tim Laudner, but, like, everybody else, I'm like. Junior Ortiz was the backup catcher on the 91 team. He wore the number zero, which was always great. He would have been, like, a perfect example of this because he couldn't hit worth a lick, but he was, like, Scott Erickson's personal catcher. So he, he played in the World Series because whenever Erickson started, he was the he was the catcher. But he's probably a, like an average defender. But he was just like, oh god, Junior Ortiz, Henry Blanco. That's, that's who I'm thinking of. That's another one. That's a that is a good one. Henry Blanco is is the guy I always I'm thinking of. Is they would talk about how great of a catcher he was, and he would always hit like two ten. <laughs> At a playoff game where he hit a uh, hit a home run. Yeah, actually, every time I was uh, talking bad about him, he would end up hitting a home run. Like, it was, we actually, my college <laughs> friends actually called it the Henry Blanco effect. It's like, Call, that's, Travis, that's, Travis yeah. say something bad about Henry Blanco, he's up to bat. And I was like, God, he sucks. And then he would just belt one. <laughs> that's the title of this podcast. The Henry Blanco effect. The Henry Blanco effect. Better or worse than Tom Prince. Another great no-hit all-field catcher mm-hmm. from that era. I, I was going to go with something swoon related for for the for the title of the. Tell you, I could podcast. go twin sketchers all God. day long. Why? It sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> twins, twins, anything sounds terrible. God, what a sorry franchise. Um, uh, Dylan, uh, DMTR Gaming uh, saw shades of the usual good uh, penalty kill on Lukey's major on Saturday. Uh, was that just a fluke, or are we starting to maybe see some life in the in the penalty killed unit again? Um, yeah, and that's uh, what we're talking about about the um, you know we were had you know quite a few chances there on that five minute uh, major that we were killing, and we were just a lot more aggressive, and and it feels like uh, you know that uh, kind of caught North Dakota by surprise. You know they scored just after that, but it was. Obviously, you know, I, I think I think hopefully that's going to be a step in the right direction. Um, now, everything kind of looks like it's a fluke um, as of right now um, until we see a little bit more. So hopefully against Omaha, who has the firepower again, um, you know, we kind of keep up that uh, tenacity and that aggressiveness. We just, I mean, these players have to make plays. And I think that's, we're just not doing that right now. What you said. Yep. And uh, uh, 
uh, uh, UND fan or U, UMD, a Minnesota Blue fan, uh, Donna. Uh, three point unbeaten weekend. <laughs> Not a question. That's just, uh, that's, uh, I, I made a note because I think that's what Omaha's Twitter account, I think last week, I think they had a three point unbeaten Do we weekend. We have some more Omaha math goodness here. <laughs> So just uh, the fact that we didn't technically lose the game or, or you know, it was an overtime loss and an overtime win, it's a three-point unbeaten weekend. Um, and, yeah, I, I suppose it's just how it's the perception because yeah. six-game six game winless streak or four-game point streak. <laughs> We're hot, baby. We're hot, baby. We're coming in hot. And then uh, I want to close it out with Jeremy Johnson here with uh, with the with kind of the the lingering shadow, the lingering mist, the darkness kind of over over everything. Uh, was the loss of Anhorn as devastating as it seems? Um, and it, I mean, my gut says no because I feel like it's just a matter of clearing the zone. But I guess that's what Anhorn was so good at that. We didn't just flub it right to the North Dakota defense. So maybe, maybe it was, I just, I didn't think a transfer was going to, going to have this much of a high impact, but I mean, you know, we were, we were able to obviously to piecemeal that uh, two nothing Denver win. But after that, it's, it's been a free fall. Yeah, it's can we get Peart to Good. play like Anhorn? Can we get <laughs> can we get Peart to be a be better? Can we get Peart to play like Mason Reiners? <laughs> um, can we get can we get it's like a he's like a dollar store Jack Sean. <laughs> like is kind of what I like if you take away Jack Sean's positioning and his overall offensive ability is what Peart is to me. I just, he's, it's very, it's very simple. I mean, Peart just doesn't score enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ashan's, we're not talking about, and he's not as good defensively defense. I, I think, I, I think he was underrated on defense because positionally, I think he's fine. you know, he's, he's fine. I just think he's, he's more of an offensive defenseman. Yeah. Well, that for being as short as, as he was, I thought he was incredibly good because his positioning was so good. Now, Peart, I, I, I just don't see it from him. Yeah, I mean, so it, 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 they can make up this gap with losing Anhorn by having some guy or guys step up in his absence, like improve their game. We haven't seen it yet, um, but there's still time. More, more tray ball on the power play. Right. I don't know if that's really working all that hot either. So, yeah, I mean, after that Luki injury, or uh, DQ, um, Wiley was seeing a bunch of ice time. Mm-hmm. He might have been the victor of, of that scenario where he, was, he got more ice time. And Reiners has basically stepped in and played every game. In that, uh, since Anhorn's injury too, and he's been fine. He's not gonna he's not gonna grace the score sheet too much with offense. But uh, there's been some t- some defensive lapses, but for the most part, he's been 
unoffensive, like from yeah. a, like, I'm not offended to, to watch him. It's, I can't say, you can't say offensive because you, you mean yeah. the offensive side of the game, but got to pick a better adjective, but he's been fine, I think, but just no one's collectively either one guy or multiple guys haven't stepped up to fill all of what Anhorn was. And maybe that's just because Anhorn's a special player. That certainly could be it. But um, I guess we'll know at the end of the year, you know, there's yeah. another one and done year. I mean, talking about the similarities from this group to last year, that, that was a one and done year. If it's going to be another one of those, we can say, yeah, Anhorn was the, the key here. That injury was the key. But if they, I don't know, get it together and go to Tampa, which Dave Starman claims he expects, um, yeah. then, hey, who, Dylan, who? <laughs> so, well, the results, the, the results will, will uh, speak themselves. Yeah, exactly. So, um, well, uh, that about does her uh, here for uh, this uh, elongated um, uh, episode here of the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. And uh, I am Weldy at More Clappers, M O A R, More Clappers. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter, wherever your uh, tweets are found, I guess you could say. Uh, Andrew, you can reach him at Huskies Hockey Podcast at gmail.com. If you're going to be in Omaha Ooh. this weekend, yeah, reach out. If you're braving the uh, blizzard, buy Andrew you're a beer. Be there. Buy me a beer, uh, email me so I can get that beer from you. Perfect. Perfect. Sounds good. All right. Uh, thanks again, everybody. And until next time, go Huskies. Woo. Woo.